Welcome to the nest. All right, mamas, grab some food, get a seat. We're going to be starting in a couple minutes. Um, Welcome to the nest. If you've never been here before, we are a ministry for moms, period. Um, And our goal is to nurture, encourage, strengthen, and train you so we can just raise the next group of little buddies. And so um, I have some really exciting announcements. See, it's... So it works. All right, now y'all are expecting big things. Did you put the strobe lights up behind me, please? Okay, so what we are announcing today is, guys, it's nested night this summer. Thank you, encouraging volunteers. Okay. So there are going to be five books. Y'all, if you don't know what nested night is, it is like a mini nest. And we have picked five books. Loving the Littles is one of them. Taste for Truth. Glimpses of Grace, Prodigal God, and Nights. Yeah, obviously Morgan's going to be there. Nights in Training. So these, if you don't know what these are, they're the authors are here. Google them, look them up, see which one you're like, hey, that's where I'm at right now, and go to that house. Or if you're just like, hey, I just want to read a book and be with people, find the one that's nearest to your house, and this is how you build community and friendships in the village of moms. So we're really excited. Registration will open Monday morning, and so you will get a mailed chimp. Am I saying that right? So like when you register for the nest, you'll have another one, and you can click and register online for the one that you want to. So we are going to be pushing this hard in May too. We're going to have like all the people that are hosting are just going to be plugging their books like nobody's biz next time. All right. So the next one, hands into the feet. Do, oh, oh, sorry. Yeah, there we are. Okay. So hands and feet this month, guys, is, um, uh, do you know April 22nd's Earth Day? Because it is. I think this like started in the nineties. I remember it's such a big deal. Anyway, so, um, we're going to pick up trash in parks, which is awesome. I've actually done this one with my kids before, um, just to show them like that we care and respect God's creation. So that's awesome. If you want more information about that, um, also with hands and feet, um, there is a survey guys and the P the, the team that leads hands and feet, Michelle Jackson is our contact for that. They put, Oh, yes, the love for Michelle. I love it. Okay, so Michelle and the, the, her, their team um, and the Dallas and Plano team are working together right now on this. They spend a ton of time looking into places, thinking about what to do to get you to help your little kids serve and learn, just get a heart of servanthood. I think that's the word. Anyway, they just want your feedback. And so this looks like you have the right long answers. You don't. You can if you want, but this will help them know how to make it better and um, how to grow that ministry. So please, please, please take time and fill this out. There is a teal basket on the kind of welcome area when you signed in. Just drop them in there before you leave. If not, leave it on your table and we will pick them up. Um, All right. I'm going to explain like every handout we gave you because we like color here at the nest. So we've already used green. And so um, we have, (laughs) these are our, the blue and the purple handouts are for discipline today. Guys, we have such a fun talk today. It is a fun one. It's a hard one and it's a real one, but it's so necessary to just our life with Christ. So 
Today, you have this blue one is just something that us, our leadership team made up um, and we've had before. It's from Focus on the Family, but it's just a real practical thing. And when we, on the back, um, we put resources. And these are just kind of in the past books that moms have recommended that have just kind of um, blessed them. So, there's a resource for that. And then um, Morgan Buchek and all her spirituality felt that it was very important, I'm not joking, that we have scripture and she's absolutely right because the book you should be looking at the most is the Bible. And so um, anyway, no, no shame there, girls, but here's your cheat sheet. This is just um, the references and the scripture that we can um, look at. And actually throughout today, there'll probably be a lot of these referenced. So those are just some of you, um, tools for you guys um, to have for today through this talk. Um, okay, so today is going to be fun. We have uh, Trisha Kegler, Kyle Kegler's wife, here to talk to us about discipline. And she, this is kind of one of her heart things. You know, last month we had um, Sue Bowling, um, and her heart thing is just gender and all that kind of thing. Um, Trisha loves this topic, and she has spent time and energy. So we are truly blessed to have her come talk to us about it. Um, so she's going to sp- speak for the first part, and then we also are going to have a panel, and um, just three women are going to come up here, and we're going to go through um, lots of questions, and really um, hope at the end we have some time for Q&A, so um, you guys just be jotting down, like just thoughts, questions as we go, um, but I hope that we hit all of it today. So I'm going to go ahead and pray for our time so we can get started. Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you for um, just allowing um, all these moms to come. Thank you for training ground and the work that they do to love on our kids so that it makes transition easier, Lord. And I just pray that um, our hearts are open to hear what you want us to learn about discipline so that we can raise the next generation for you. Um, I pray that you're with um, all the people up on the stage today um, talking about what you've done through them with discipline um, and just give us clarity um, to glorify you. It's in your sons and we pray. Amen. All right. Here's Trisha Kegler. Thanks, Faith. Good morning, ladies. How we doing? How about a little tinny there? Um, thank you, first of all, for letting me join you today. This is my favorite thing to talk about because parenting has been my favorite job in the world. I can tell you I like it more than any other job I've ever done. Um, I can also tell you it has challenged me and driven me crazier than any job I've ever done. Um, but. The thing I I want you to know is that it's the most enriching and, anyway, wouldn't trade it for a thing. Y'all understand that. So as I tell you stories today, I want you to know who my my little peanuts are. Back in the day, my, um, oops, got to go the other way. Um, Back in the day, my three girls um, started off, well, we can't go backward to show the other picture. Um, There we are. These are my little squirts. So on the end is Kendall. She's my youngest. And the sister in the middle is Kaylee. And on the right is Kelsey. They're twins. So I started off this battle going, oh, God, I can figure out what to do with two of them. And I had no clue whatsoever. Um, But I promise you, you are going to just blink. And all of a sudden, they are going to be these grown, beautiful women who are, luckily for us, one of our favorite things is that, there you go. Um, they are just the best of friends. My girls love and support each other, would choose to hang out with each other like any given day of the week, and that's just been the sweetest gift from the Lord. Um, yes, I was taking it, Kyle Field, for those of you who want to know. Uh, <laughs> but okay, the thing that saddens me when I look at this A is not just how fast the time went. What has saddens me is that my best parenting days are already over, and w- 
believe it or not, yours probably are too. Because <laughs> you remember the days before you actually had children of your own and you're walking through Target and you see that kid just totally out of control and in your mind, you're thinking, well, my child will never, didn't you? <laughs> okay, well, how many of you have little ones that are 12 months or younger, just one or younger? All right, if that is your first child, you put that little darling in your arms and you think, my child will never give me the moment of grief. How many of you have kids two and older? Tell them. <laughs> because, oh yes, they will. <laughs> they will do all kinds of things that will have you eating humble pie in very, very large slices, myself included. Um, so yeah, it's coming. Whether it has or not, just trust us, it's coming. Um, I do encourage you today that as we talk about all kinds of crazy things with our kids, please take the words I'm going to say and run them through the filter that's appropriate for you and your family. Because guys, I know one size doesn't fit all. I mean, for example, some of you are single moms. Some of you may have special needs kids. Some of you may have an unusual situation. Maybe there was a death in the family or just something, you know, special circumstances. So take my words, run them through that filter because... Ladies, there's not one way to raise great godly kids. Digest that for a minute. There are a few key principles that we all need to be aiming for, but there are many, many methods to implementing that. And I kind of very embarrassingly and humbly need to tell you that when I was sitting in your shoes, I wasn't so open-minded. I really kind of thought there was only one or two ways to do it right, and I had a whole lot of people I knew who were not doing it right. Oh my gosh, time will reveal the error of that because that was so wrong. Time has shown me different. I know strongly and clearly that is not the case. So I hope you will embrace that earlier than I did. And um, I will also tell you that I probably won't use the term discipline a whole lot today. I will probably use the term training because guys, our goal is not just to discipline our kids. Our God, our goal is to train their minds and their hearts, help them learn to discern what's good, what's bad, what's better, what's best. How do you treat people? How do you interact in the world? I mean, your job is humongous and important. Don't ever think less than that. But training is really the heart of what we are pursuing. And I use that word heart very deliberately. We're not just trying to train their exterior behavior. We're going to try to train their hearts. And ladies, I, I pause here because... Pretty soon, your kids are going to be older, and you're not going to have a lot of control. I mean, my twins are 22 years old today. They're making their own decisions, their own thoughts. And by the way, pray for Kelsey right about now. She's going into a job interview, so come on, Lord, right about now. Um, so anyway, so with parenting and with training, I have found that if I try to just be in the moment and respond when things happen and just kind of go with the flow... I get chewed up and spit out because I am behind the ball and I don't accomplish my goals very well. So I've learned with parenting, it is the one area of my life that I have to be proactive rather than reactive. It's kind of a non-negotiable for me. And so in order to do that, you really have to know what you're aiming for. What are your big goals? And this moment became so clear to me when my twins were just 11 months old. So literally, we're in Colorado for the summer. We're halfway up a mountain. So think about that, those little bald heads, right? I was putting sun hats on my little girls. And at 11 months, what do they do with those hats? 
exactly. They kept checking them off. And they were twins, you know. <laughs> I could never keep them on them. And I literally saw this mom across the way, and her little cutie always had a hat on. I mean, always. Granted, she lived there 12 months out of the year, but I kind of walked over to her in awe, just going, how did you do that? <laughs> what is your big secret? And I just remember very calmly, without even batting her eyes, she just looked at me and she goes, it was a hill I was willing to die on. <laughs> and she meant it. It was true. And that changed my whole parenting paradigm right there. I was like, oh, I've got to figure out what hills I'm willing to die on. Because ladies, if you pick, pick, pick on every little thing, you're going to exasperate your kids and drive them all crazy and yourself as well. So I'm going to encourage you right now today, have the conversation with your husband or other people that are involved in really forming your children's um, decisions and decide what are your key goals going to be? I'll tell you, I mean, some of the hills in the Kegler family, we decided truth and honesty was a biggie. We were going to die on that hill. I'm the mom. I was going to die on the hill if my children will eat vegetables. I ain't got no time to be picky mom, short order cook, et cetera, et cetera. But that may not, I mean, that may not be your big hills. You know what I'm saying? Y'all need to have the conversation and decide what your goals and hills are going to be. And just to be fair to your children, communicate what you're going to expect from them in advance before they're put in a situation where they need to respond because you want to be fair to them. You want to set them up for success. And here's the even bigger one. You want to teach them the moral reason why you want that behavior. You know those purple cheat sheets they gave you? Use those scriptures. Incorporate that as you're telling them why we think these things are good and right. Now, I also remember being in your shoes and having so many voices telling me how to do this job. And of course, none of them all said the same thing, right? I mean, it was just so confusing. I will tell you that even today when we get up here on this panel, there's a good chance we'll give you conflicting advice. I mean, it's just the nature of the beast, right? But I will tell you this, the most reliable guidance I have found when I look through the books and talk to other moms and et cetera was God's word. The Bible, time-tested and true. My girls are 22, 22, and 20. This has not steered me wrong, and I don't think it will steer you wrong either. So we are going to look at the Bible for what are key goals that I think need to be in all of our parenting training plans that we're working on here today. And I will also tell you, as I share these key principles with you, I have been instructed not to go into how do you do it. I'm really going to talk about what you should aim for and later on in our panel, we'll talk about how to do it. So don't be surprised when you see me going one way. Okay, key principle from God's word. Number one, respect. You're going to find that God has designed it so that children should respect their parents. And at first, you're thinking, okay, this comes kind of prideful. Respect me. And it's not you, the person. It's the role. You see, God created the role of mother, and he created the role of father, and that role deserves respect. And so there were so many references in scripture to this. I mean, I, could, I lost count after a while. I saw it so many times. I simply pulled one verse from Leviticus 19, just to be clear for you. Each of you must respect his mother and father, and you must observe my Sabbaths. And the key word there was must there's not a lot of room for interpretation or, you know, excuses on that one. It's a requirement. 
Um, we would go so far as we wanted our kids to also respect those that, who were their senior and who were more elderly. And so I put verse 32 up there just to remind you that it is good to respect your elders. But we would, that would play out in our lives in ways like, hey, why don't you open that door for that person who's a lot older than you? Why don't you give up your seat so that elder person could sit down? I mean, ways you respect them. And just to give you a little measuring stick in your own family, you might know if you're on the right path if. For example, how does your child ask you for things? I want some water. Versus, mom, may I please have some water? If they're demanding, if they are whiny, if they are expectant and entitled, that is not showing you respect. Your parents, your father, I mean, you get the idea. They are to respect. I would, if my kids asked me for something and they didn't do it the right way every time, I would just stop and look at them and go, you know, you're never going to get what you want from me when you ask that way. Would you like to try again? And they would catch on because I made sure that the consequences matched the way that they asked. You ask a bad way, get a bad consequence. Ask a polite way, you get a good consequence. So second, what about denials? What about when you have to deny their request? They ask you for something and you have to tell them no. How do they respond? Are they still respectful? Or are they going to pitch a fit and gripe and scream and yell, etc.? Make sure, that's another good just measuring stick. And finally, I would tell you attitude is significant as well because if they're walking around the house sporting a sassy little attitude, there's a chance that something is going on in their hearts that is definitely not in the respectful category and it probably needs your attention. So key principle to aim for is respect. Number two, every bit as prevalent in scripture, I saw this one so many times, was the concept of honor. Now, these are actually the words of Jesus I'm quoting here from Matthew 15. For God said, honor your father and mother, for he who speaks evil of his father or mother, let him be put to death. Well, it's a little severe, <laughs> but I use this verse just as one of the many I could choose from to let you know how strong the mindset is, that this is a big old hairy deal, that they honor mom and dad. And I will tell you, at first, they're not going to understand this concept, especially when they're little. It's kind of a big concept. So it's your job to kind of start teaching them. What does it mean to honor mom and dad? Here's a couple examples. Let's say, for example, that um, you had a babysitter the night before and you got a really good report. Well, that next morning at breakfast, you can say, hey, guys, I was so excited. You know, Miss Becky told me how well you did. Do you know that honored us? It honored your mom and dad when you were so good for your babysitter last night? Use that word. Start adding that word into your vocabulary so they will learn what it means. Um, typically, anytime there's a transfer of authority to a sitter, a teacher, a coach, those are great opportunities to use the word honor in there. Um, I will tell you another way that you will teach your kids what honor means is when you speak about your own parents or your in-laws, et cetera, et cetera, because kids are sharp. They're going to realize, are you honoring them the way they are supposed to honor you. So honor is a key word. And if you do really the other principles we're talking about, there's a real good chance that this will be a byproduct of it. So it's important that they honor the parents. Third principle for you today, your words. Your words matter. 
Mom, you don't want to be the parent that's up there droning on going blah, 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 and they are tuning you out. (laughs) You don't want to be that mom. And so here's the big secret behind that. If you don't mean it, don't say it. It's really that simple. You got to mean what you say. Let your yes be yes and your no be no so that you will not fall under judgment. That's what James 5 tells us. And so please also with that, don't be the mom that makes idle threats. You know, you're walking along the house and you step on one of their toys. It hurts your foot. You're mad at them. You break the toy. I'm never going to buy you another toy again. Well, of course you're going to buy them another toy again. Or you're trying to leave the park and they act ugly. I'm never going to take you to the park again. Well, of course you're going to take them to the park again. And your kids know it. Don't make an idle threat. That's what Ecclesiastes 5 tells us. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. If you're going to say it, you need to mean it. And I will just give you my little personal tidbit. I learned I got way better results in the parenting department if I used fewer words and more consequences. Fewer words and more consequences, because they're not going to tune out that consequence, but they can tune out your words. So um, I will also tell you that we all have an I mean it line. So let's take the fun little example. Let's say just for fun that little Susie is um, not allowed to play with the remote to the TV because she's going to break it or reprogram it on accident or, you know, something crazy. And so in this particular example, little Susie's two, the remote is on the coffee table, and I get a phone call. Hey, girl, what's going on? I'm talking on the phone. We're having a good time. And I kind of glance over and I decide my... I side out, I'm like, oh, hey, hang on a minute. Hey, Susie, we don't play with that. Put that down. Okay. And I go back to my phone call, and we're talking and having a good time and catching up on things I you know, need to talk about. Uh, hey, hang on a minute. Susie, mom said, put that down. And I go back to the phone call. I'm distracted. I've got things going on. We've got to get this conversation in. And she's still got that remote in her hand. Hang on. Susie, mom said, put the remote down right now. And I go back to my phone call, and we're you know, trying to finish up this last bit of business. Da, 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 da. She hasn't put the phone, I mean, the remote down. Hey, um, Donna, can I call you back? Okay. Susie put the remote down. She puts it down and she didn't pick it up again. Do you know why? She just saw my I mean it line. And if you were counting, how many times did I ask her to put the remote down? Four. I don't know about you, but for me, by the time I get to the fourth time I'm asking you to do something, my tone is changing, I'm getting irritated and frustrated, mad sometimes, and it is not going to be as pretty of a parenting picture as if I had just asked her one time. Kids are smart, you guys. They know when you mean it. Why not make your I mean it line the first time you ask? instead of the fourth. I have found in our journey, we didn't do this perfectly, but I will tell you that our home was more peaceful, more joyful, and a far more pleasant place to hang out when I would aim for making my I mean it line the first time. So your words really, really matter. Okay, our fourth principle is the principle of obedience. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. I don't know if you realize it or not, but there is a battle 
come into your house sooner or later. And that's where little Johnny, he wants to be the boss. He wants to do things his way, and it's his will and what he wants that matters. Any of you seen that battle? Oh, yeah. So, guys, it is very important to establish who is the boss. And that's not always fun to do it, but it is critical. These are the years, ladies, where you're going to establish who is the boss. And God has ordained it to be the mom and dad. Don't disappoint on that one. Make sure. I will tell you, this is one that it's a really good one to have community speak into your life. If you're not sure, hey, how well are we doing at that? A little outside perspective can go a long way. Fifth and final principle today in terms of key principles, the principle of forgiveness and restoration. Because it is inevitable, dear friends, that our sweet little pumpkins are going to blow it. They're going to mess up just like you and I mess up. And when that happens, your child needs to feel reunited and restored to you. Because you see, you are their rock. You are their steady place that they rely on. And when things are estranged with y'all, it bothers them and it will continue to bother them. So make sure and part of your training process that you include forgiveness and restoration. Um, I put 1 John 1, 9 up here just to remind us, hey, if God is so sweet to forgive us, then we should extend that same forgiveness to our children. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins. And we need to be faithful to forgive our kids as well. So just how, what does that look like? Like in the Kegler household, when they would blow it, we would always require a three-part apology. We would always require, I am sorry. And they had to say what for. They had to own it. For hitting Kelsey with a book. <laughs> and then thirdly, will you forgive me? All three parts were required on an apology for them. And that last part is so important, gals, because it opens the door for forgiveness and restoration. You can walk right through that door and say, of course I will forgive you. I still think you are a good girl. Or I am still so glad you are my son. Now, sometimes you can hug and have this great moment, and sometimes they don't want any part of that. But you know what? They still need to hear your words. They still need to hear, I forgive you, and I still think you're a great kid. So that being said, practice forgiveness and restoration. This ground that you're laying, it's going to carry them all the way through into their adult life. They'll use those skills. So, all right, those are the key principles that I hope we all start aiming for and working hard to pursue in our parenting journey. But I will tell you, there are some days in this parenting journey where I know you feel like you are just one big negative. No, 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 and some more no. <laughs> I am going to encourage you to really try to throw in some positive in your training. And what I mean by that is catch them doing something right and reward them for it. Balance those negative reproofs with positive reinforcement. Some kids respond beautifully to incentives, but not so much to consequences. It depends on knowing your kid, right? But here's the deal. I might catch um, Kaylee sharing her new toy with her little sister, Kendall. And I could say, Kaylee, I am so proud of you for sharing your new book. Here's a little something. 
Well, I had to have a bag of those chocolate chip morsels, and I got so much mileage out of one tiny little morsel. I would give her the one tiny little morsel. Well, A, she's ready to go do something nice again, and B, it's contagious. Every other kid in the house, where'd you get that? How'd you get that? Why'd you get that? How do I get that? It's a beautiful thing, but I will tell you, it has to be spontaneous. It has to be sporadic. You cannot do that every time, right? Because you don't want your kids doing the right thing for the wrong reason. You can't bribe them. You don't want a constant bribe. You've got to you know, change the incentives, do something different, and do it sporadically, and let them know that just because they do the right thing does not guarantee this fun little surprise is going to come their way. Y'all get the idea. So that's another thing. Throw some positive in there. I'm also going to ask you as you walk your journey, do you balance privileges and capabilities? This is where we talk about that crazy funnel, if you've ever heard of it before. So to understand this funnel, it's You've got to imagine the narrow part of the funnel being the capability level of a young preschooler, let's say 15 months, two years old. You know, the things that they can handle effectively without hurting themselves or tearing it up are really small, right? But then the top of the funnel, this is where an older preschooler would fit in, someone who's five or six. And what they can handle effectively is a much broader spectrum. So what happens when I let, let's say in this particular example, my little two-year-old Kendall, let her play with my cell phone? Well, what's a real good chance that she's going to handle that cell phone without breaking it, losing it, mistreating it in some way, shape, or form? Not so big. <laughs> Real good chance she's not going to do that well. That would be like the black X you see up here on my screen. I have just given her a privilege she was not capable of handling. I was parenting outside the funnel. And so when she breaks my phone and I'm all mad, should I have been mad at her or me? I should have been mad at me because I gave her a privilege she wasn't ready for. Whereas in the backseat of the car, if I'd given my cell phone to my six-year-old and you know used whatever technology filters are appropriate here, it had a little game or something that she could play. In that particular case, that would be like the red X up here on the screen. I'm giving her a privilege that she is capable of handling and I'm parenting within the funnel. Now, I know y'all understand the concept by now, but here's the deal. How many of you have three or more kids? Okay, sisters, this is really easy to do with younger siblings. You give them the privileges too early that the big siblings have. Watch your funnel <laughs> on the younger kids because that's where it's really tempting to fall out of that. I'm also going to tell you this. Hey, just straight out from my heart, I know this parenting journey is not easy. Not even a little bit. It is going to be one of the hardest, craziest things you've ever given yourself to. Um, I want you to understand the price you pay now will pay off later. I've been through those teenage years, and I know the foundation you're laying now is critical. But be willing, ladies, when it is not convenient. Because it's inevitable that when you're on a business call or in the middle of the grocery store that things, the wheels fall off the bus and go crazy, right? It's never convenient. I will also tell you that it's going to require sacrifice. You're going to sacrifice your agenda 
of getting things done. You're going to sacrifice sleep. You're going to sacrifice your sanity some days. You're going to sacrifice shaving both legs on the same day. You're going to sacrifice working it. I mean, I can go on and on. There's a lot of things you're going to sacrifice. Um, and it's going to take time. Sweet, sweet time. You've got to spend a lot of time with those kids in order to shape and mold and implement these principles we've been talking about today. There's no quick fix. And so that being said, I hope you will look at the hardship of it as an investment because you see, it's gonna pay off down the road. What starts out as that tiny little sprout is going to grow. And it's going to mature into this big giant oak tree with deep roots that can withstand the storms of life and provide shade and blessing to others as they get older and grown. Because you see, one of the things that motivated me when I was a mom, and I'm like, oh, this is hard. Someone told me, hey, you know the foundation for your child's character is formed by the age of six. And I thought, I can work really hard for six years. Yeah, I can do that. And that motivated me to just work my tail off those first six years, you know, for every kid, no matter what. Well, I will tell you, they're 22 and I may be working harder than I ever worked in my life. Um, but the long story short is the foundation you lay now is going to pay off later. The teenage years were not that horrible and bad in the Kegler house. They were actually pretty groovy. Um, we miss our kids. We love having them home. And so that being said, Lay the foundation well, work hard now, and you will not regret it. Let me pray for you real quick as our panel comes up. Thank you so much, dear Lord, for your truth to guide us, to help us see the goals we need to aim for, to help us sort through all the voices that are speaking to us, and give us the strength and wisdom to know how to implement them. So in the, for the glory of your son, we pray. Thank you. Amen. Thanks, ladies. Am I on? Oh, I'm on. Hello. Uh, that was awesome. I, you know, I've heard a discipline talk probably every year since my oldest, who's now nine, was one, and I relish them every time. I'm like, they're such great reminders because we can just, we can be like, okay, here we go. We're on, you know, honor. We're going to work on this. And then eventually you just kind of slack a little bit. And anyway, so it's so good to get reset. So um, so excited to introduce our panel. So we have Ginger Lord. Most of you know her. She runs our children's ministry. And Ginger, I love because she is just steady Eddie. She is just, just fantastic. And then I asked Ginger, I said, who would you recommend to be another panelist? And she said, Kara Harper, no doubt. She said her kids are awesome. I'm like, fantastic. So we need, we really need panelists who, they're not so far away from the little kid stage that they can't relate, but yet they can say, hey, this worked. And this is, this was valuable. This is what I did work. So I'm gonna have them introduce themselves and talk about their family a little bit. So hello, um, Ginger Lord. I am the director of children's ministry here said. And this is my crew. Um, they are um, on this side. This is Micah. He's 22. He's a senior at AM, about to graduate in just a few weeks, which is amazing. Um, over on this side is my daughter, Jessica, and she is a sophomore at Dallas Baptist University. Some of you may recognize her from up here. And then Justin is the one in the hat in the back. He's a senior at J.J. Pierce High School. And so, yeah, we got one graduating college coming home and one graduating high school and leaving college. So, anyway. All right, I'm Kara Harper, and...
moment. All right, this is um, five out of the six of us. I have a 19-year-old who happens to be in Italy right now. She's doing study abroad. She's a freshman at A&M, and um, she's doing study abroad. This is a picture from Easter. We recently brought home um, the littlest one here. His name is Brooks, and um, he is five from Ethiopia. We spent five and a half years um, praying for him to come. Mm. It's supposed to be an 18-month process. <laughs> but um, he is finally here um, for three weeks. He's been home for three weeks, and, um, and we are enjoying him and um, going through lots of changes. <laughs> so, so it's a like big I'm, deal she's here. I feel like I'm yeah. living. I told um, someone, I feel like I'm reliving my children's childhood. Like we went to the mall and we rode the carousel. You know, <sighs> just like, wow, like I've done this. So anyway, so I have a 19-year-old girl, 16-year-old girl, 13-year-old boy, 5-year-old boy. So, um, so anyway, I'm glad to be here. Thank so you I'm, so I'm much. I'm excited to get to know some of you because I feel like I'm Needing some new friends. Awesome. <laughs> I'm really young. We love you here. We love it. So, yes. Okay, awesome. Yeah, and Trisha already introduced herself, so we're just going to get rolling in the questions. So, Leslie, you want to start? Sure. Okay. So, there's a difference between child, childishness and foolishness. Would you help us know the difference so that we can understand what to train, what to train versus what to discipline? All right. Yeah. So this is a good one. Um, so childishness are, those are the most honest mistakes that our kids make, um, resulting from just their age, kind of that, that funnel idea, um, their immaturity. So like spilling something while they're eating lunch because they were acting goofy at the table, um, versus foolishness is more willful defiance. That is something they're choosing to do when they know they're not supposed to. So, um, you know, the don't, you know, you tell them, instruct them, don't touch that, and they're going to do it anyway. Um, that's, uh, that's foolishness. So both of these things need to be corrected, but the correction looks different because the motive of the heart is different. So a childish behavior requires you're going to lean more on logical consequences, natural consequences, training, um, even like practicing something of what does it look like to behave appropriately at the dinner table so you don't spill your milk. Um, Or um, then the um, foolishness is going to require more of a uh, discipline correction that gets at their heart. So it just looks different between the two. Great. Good. Awesome. Okay, second one. Kara, this is for you. Where do you start when your baby's beginning the tantrum phase and throws a loud fit when he doesn't get what he wants? <laughs> like, oh, oh, this is new. What do I do now? <laughs> Gotta love the tantrums. All right, my um, second child, she was a tantrum thrower. And um, she would throw herself on my tile kitchen floor um, quite a few times. And so I would just reach down and catch her head so it didn't bang on the floor. And then I would just step over her and leave the room. (laughs) And so sometimes when she would throw a tantrum, I'd actually pick her up and take her to her crib and put her in her crib and go, um, oh, I'm so sorry that you're sad right now. I'll come back when you're calm, when you've calmed down, you know, we can talk about it, something like that. So you don't want to ever, um, reward a tantrum. You want to try to ignore the tantrum as much as possible. Be sympathetic. Like, oh, I I understand you're upset right now. Um, I'll come back and we can talk about that when you've calmed down. Um, 
The other thing is sometimes they're gonna do a tantrum um, in a store or when you're out in public, things like that. <laughs> and so that one, you really need to nip in the bud also. I would, um, I think that I would remove them from the public place, put them in the car, you know, take them out. Try, I mean, at first I would try to talk to them and go, we will not throw a tantrum in this place. You know, that is not respectful for the people around us. They don't want to hear anyone crying, you know, all this. So I would try that. Um, but if that's not working, I would remove them um, maybe to the car. Um, I kept a wooden spoon in my car. <laughs> Didn't use it very often, but sometimes when they're wrestling in the car seat and they won't sit down, you know, things like that. So um, there was always a threat to going back to the car with mine. Um, if I could, if they had calmed down enough in the car, I would go back in the store, you know, because you've probably left something <laughs> in there, <laughs> which is bad. Um, if not, I would just go home. But I think that you don't really want them to get what they want with a tantrum. So if they wanted to go home, that's bad. So my husband, he used to look at me and go, you are so competitive, you know, because I was like, oh, I will win. <laughs> so I think, I don't know if the first time it happened, if I would take him back to the store, but I, I think I would, you know, let him calm down you know, maybe wait a while and then take them right back, you know, and go, you know, just to show them not to, I wouldn't say a lot of words like, ha, 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 we're going back, but I'd go, oh, you know what, we've still got to finish our grocery shopping, you know, it's just taking us a lot longer, you know, things like that. So just, um, just, I would just make sure um, you're calm, you don't, you don't react, you know, you certainly don't want to scream if they're screaming, things like that, but, um, but don't reward the tantrum. Same thing with whining, any kind of whiny voice. You know, I would always go, oh, I can't hear it when you're whining. You know, try again. Can you, can you talk in a normal voice so I can hear you? Things like that. So, um, That's awesome. good. I, know. I do that all the time. I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't understand that, that language you just said. <laughs> um, big boy talk. Okay, so number, the third one is um, what, and this is for Ginger, what do you do with a one to two-year-old who hits, kicks, bites, or pulls hair when he doesn't get his way? So now we've moved on. <laughs> Stepping it up. <laughs> right. Um, so um, just kind of a background to all of these types of situations. I think it's really important that we're always aware of not just what the behavior is, but what's going on. Um, you know, sometimes when a child is acting like this, they really just need a nap. It's because I chose to try one more errand mm -hmm. before I got them home for the nap. And that was my fault. That's not my child's fault. Now, they still shouldn't act like that. But I have to, we have to take those types of things into consideration when we're evaluating our child's behavior. Um, and, but with, with that as the backdrop, if you've done that and you have a child that's acting like this, first of all, be very careful of getting angry yourself. I know there were times when my kids were pitching a fit and I felt my, you know, my level growing. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. I've got to be, you know, I have to be in control of myself um, in this situation. Um, that type of behavior may well be a place for very corrective discipline, um, what, whatever that looks like, you know, whether that's spanking or that's time out or what is that for your child. Uh, again, you're getting, some of that's getting toward, um, you know, what's going on with the heart. But we're talking a one or two-year-old here. So this is, this is a young child in that situation. Mm -hmm. um, whatever you choose to do, the best thing is to be consistent. Be consistent with your words. Be consistent with the, the discipline. If this is something that's um, 
you know, they're, because they're doing this because they're not getting their own way. You want to, like Kara said, you, you don't want to let them win. Um, they're not going to get their way. That's the, the biggest thing is don't let them get their way um, when they act inappropriately um, and, and don't give in. Yeah, that's good. Okay, Leslie. Yes. <laughs> can you speak to the frustration toward parenting a persistently defiant child? Because it can sometimes feel like we're trying to outlast them. We can even begin to feel like they're not a blessing or enjoyable to be with. Do you have any personal experiences? Just, like, just two. Um, <laughs> joking. Okay, like this is so exhausting, right? Um, so I have several examples. However, when I was thinking and praying about this earlier, um, God, I mean, I just have to let my community in because when I'm drowning, I need people to remind me what's true. Um, it's like we're trying to remind our kids what is true um, by just basic life things. I need to be reminded what's true. And so um, several times... Um, because I think of James 1, like many trials, like developing perseverance, like this, this perseverance, these trials are making me complete and mature as a parent. And so um, I tell my community group girls um, and they, um, and usually, I mean, call this week, um, and there's been texts like, how'd it go today? How to respond? And there is, we, we need hard accountability with that. Um, specifically, I had um, Benjamin, but I don't know why I called him Benjamin. He was two and was just kind of losing control and kind of sadly known as the kid without a control. I mean, how embarrassing is that? I had gone through a hard third um, pregnancy with Caden and my second one just kind of lost it and I was exhausted. And so um, trying to rein back that in took a long time and I had to have hardcore accountability. I have also, um, with checking in literally every hour, did you... But the time we had chosen spanking, hey, when he did this, did, what did that look like? Um, another time um, with Jackson, when he was two, I will never forget leaving um, Regen with CR back then, and he fell on the floor in front of everybody, and training ground did not know what to do, and he was screaming, and I literally thought, we will never have any more children. I can't even handle this one. And, and so um, at that point, I called a halt to everything. I was working at the time, and so everything else fell to the ground, um, and I just said, I'm not going to community. I'm not going to anything that's serving. I am just staying home with him, and honestly, what the root of that was, was um, he just wanted more of me. And so um, at the end of the day, you need to figure out what, what their heart is. Sometimes it's just good old sin. You know, they're just gonna do their thing. And sometimes there's a deeper thing that you need to change in your schedule. So um, that's kind of, and, and, and to remind my heart, like just reading Hebrews 12, I think like I have to go back, like he trains those, he disciplines those he loves. And if we're not doing that with our kids, then we're not imitating Christ like he's called us to do. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's so funny. Like last week, I'm like, this is like constant. Like Caden is not listening, obeying at six. Like he used to be so my sweet little buddy. And um, our neighbor gave us tickets to the Mavericks game. Um, I mean, $88 seats. Everybody was gonna go. Rob and the three boys. And Caden, I mean, he lost it. And he cried for two days. So that was a good punishment. But he couldn't go to the Mavericks game. He loves basketball. Um, so the, it's just hard. And then I had to sit there with him for four hours as he cried. And we talked about it. It's just hard. I'm like, I had to persevere through that. Like I, I mean, Rob and I talked all day. Should we take it away? We know it's the right thing to do, but this is going to be so hard. Yeah. And so that's that key of letting people in to encourage me. Let's see, it's, hearing people be like, you did the right thing. 
I, I need to hear that. You know, like, no, it's the right thing. It's our, it's the right thing. Okay, it's the right thing. Yeah. You know, and you, this is the right thing. Because yeah. it's so easy for us to be up here telling us, we're like, that sounds like the right thing, Kara. That sounds like the right thing, Ginger. But when you're in it, it doesn't feel like the right thing right. because you've got a kid that's crying. It's the emotions that are high. Yeah. So that's why we invite people in because it is the right thing. So, all right, question number five. Um, is it ever okay, this is for Kara, uh, to raise your voice or yell at your child? All right, um, yelling. Yelling is not good. <laughs> so um, try not to yell. We try to reserve yelling for safety issues. If they hear you raise your voice, they should jump. I mean, it's like, you know, and every once in a while I do it as a test. You know, sometimes I'll... <laughs> <laughs> Fire drill. Yeah. I'll call upstairs, you know, Tommy, Tommy. And sometimes I'll just go, Tommy. And like, I mean, he jumps. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, buddy. I didn't know if you were up there. Can you hear me? You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, you know but anyway, I was like, going, yeah, I need a, I need a yes, mom, when you hear me. But, um, but anyway, so yelling, it should be shocking if you yell, hopefully. I know, I know that's really hard. But the thing is, is that your kids completely imitate you. And so even if you just snap at them in an irritated way, you know, like, um, oh, like, stop interrupting. Go, go over there. You know, even that, mm-hmm. you're, that's going to come back to you. You're going to hear that. They're going to say that to their sister, you know. And so you really want to train yourself and to train them to speak kindly. And so when you're, when you're disciplining and you want to have a trust aspect in there with that honor and respect that Trisha was talking about. We need to add some trust of our kids to us. They need to trust us to handle things well. Um, and we're going to want to trust them to obey. But, um, and that means that we don't want to embarrass them. We don't want to humiliate them. And so when we do want to discipline them, we want to do it in a kind way and go, Hey, Hey buddy, come here. Let me talk to you for a second. And then explain it in a kind way of what's going on. And so, um, so, and that takes, a lot, that takes a while to train ourselves, and it's hard. And um, one of my um, favorite pieces of advice that someone gave me once when I was in the throes of this um, was that you cannot control the actions of another person. You can only control your reaction to them. Mm-hmm. And so we cannot control what our children are going to do or say or the way they're going to act, but we can control our action, our reaction to them. And that's all we've got is our reaction. And so, and that, that's going to model to them how to react to other people. So, um, awesome. I think, oh, Ginger wants to add something after you're done. Okay. Um, let's see. Oh, also, I was going to say that we also want to model um, how to handle our anger. And so sometimes we're going to have to say, I'll, I'll tell my kids, you know what? I just need you to go to your room for about 10 minutes while I calm down and pray about this, and, and then I'll come talk to you. Mm. You know, just model how, like, I'm very frustrated right now, and I'm just going to need a few minutes. You know, um, last week um, with our little adopted one, he was having a... Um, a big old meltdown freeze period where he wouldn't do anything. And um, we had wrestled his pull up on him. It was bedtime. And, um, and then I carried him into his bed and just set him on his bed. And, um, and, and I thought to myself, all I have to do is get this pull up on him. Um, and then I can take him to his bed and then, you know, he can just fall asleep or we can get his pajamas on. It doesn't matter. But anyway, but when I carried him to my bed, my 13 year old was in the hallway and he said, I mean, it was just so the Holy Spirit. He goes, mom, are you angry? She's like, I was like, oh. 
you know, and I hadn't said any words, you know, I, I hadn't yelled, I hadn't raised my voice, but just my manners mm. of picking up this child that was doing this, that would not, um, wouldn't walk, wouldn't do anything and putting on his bed, he saw this frustration in me. And I thought, oh my goodness, you know, and I just sat down on that little boy's bed. And I just put my hands on his legs and I just prayed. I just whispered. I was like, God, calm my heart, calm his heart, fill us with your peace and your presence and just take away his fear. You know, it's like, oh my goodness, you know, it's just the emotion mm-hmm. of the time is going to come and we just have to model what do we need to do? I mean, we all have to recover sometimes, you know, so, I mean, and then it just, it turned it around for us, and, you know, I calmed down, he calmed down, I read some books, you know, and anyway, it was fine, but, you know, it's just model, because it's a hard one. Anger, anger gets us all, frustration gets us all, so, so we just want to um, model it, too. That's so good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I shared this when I, I taught earlier this year, but I went through a season where I found, um, uh, I was getting angry at my kids, and in my mind, I was, and that included raising my voice, and it was like, I'm, I want to get their attention, so they'll do what I want them to do, behavior, you know, I'm trying to get them to, uh, you know, behave correctly, and the Lord just spoke to me, you know, through his word, and it says, the anger of man does not accomplish the righteousness of God, and it was like, whoa. I'm, I'm trying to accomplish God's righteousness in my children's lives by my anger. And mm. it's like, it's not, it's not going to work. God's word says it's not going to work. And so exactly what Kara was saying, we have to learn to model what it looks like to control that because it will not accomplish God's righteousness in our children's lives. So again, that goes back to what Trish was saying about your words. I mean, even when I'm like cleaning and I can't stand pee on toilets and everywhere else. And I've been saying, <laughs> this is so disgusting. And I forget, Becca's like right there. And I've noticed her saying, this is so disgusting. <laughs> like wherever we go. And I'm like, it's so ugly, but that she's just modeling my words. And Both. you know, there's a Proverbs where words are many. Sin is not absent. And it's just that check. Mm-hmm. Like sin will come out if I don't first stop it here and like do what you just said, Kara, and just regroup. So... That's good. All right, Tricia, we know there's plenty of scripture that supports spanking. However, are we commanded to use it as a discipline tool? Great question. Um, I would tell you that scripture leaves the door wide open for you to use that particular method as a viable tool in your tool belt. It is not the only tool in your tool belt, and you don't have to use it. I will just tell you my personal experience is that there's a certain age, and I would probably say... For our family, it was probably like one and a half to five in that window where it was a wonderful tool and we used it a lot. But after that point, it became a tool we almost never used. And so that being said, um, reasoning with a two and a half year old about why this is right and why this is wrong is only going to get you so far. After a while, your words become Mm -hmm. the blah, 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 blah. And during that window, it's really effective. Now, as your kids get older, kind of like some of the ideas Leslie gave you, pulling a privilege or isolation, there's other really good tools in the tool belt as well. But um, we found it a wonderful tool. It never taught my children to hit. It never made them violent. It never made them fear us. Those are all misnomers. So that being said, um, just beware when they say, can I have daddy spank me? I mean, have you spanked me instead of daddy? (laughs) 
that happened to me this morning. Um, but B, know that you may not be doing it as effectively as you need to. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Totally. That's awesome. Okay. Okay, next. Ayla. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm yeah. odd numbers, yeah, and I'm odd. just, like, listening. Like, Y'all are doing so great. Okay. <laughs> How do you handle it if a child refuses to accept their discipline? So spanking turns into wrestling a pig. They refuse to sit in time out mm -hmm. um, or go to their room. You're like, go to your room, and they just stand there. So Morgan and Ginger are going to talk this. And make sure you guys, like, hold it here because we're recording this where we can hear all your good answers. Awesome. Um, so I, I guess I just jotted down some notes on this. Um, I would say again, you've got to be aware what's really going on here. You know, is there, is there more going on with your child than just defiance or is, is this simply defiance? Um, and so, you know, you have to, you have to, you know, assess the situation. And again, is it, are they overdue for a nap? Are they getting sick? You know, mm -hmm. and, and those questions. But um, I would say is um, in this situation, do you need to turn to a different method of discipline if they're defying what you're doing? You know, um, I had a child who we got to a point and realized that uh, spanking just was not working for him. And it was kind of in the process of as my youngest son and realized that he had sensory issues and it just, that didn't work. And we had to turn to different discipline methods because of that. Um, and um, you do in those situations have to be really careful of not getting yourself into a power struggle with your child. I, you know, and, and so figuring out where, you know, what's the hill you're going to die on? What does that look like? Um, and, you know, and, and that, um, and remember in those situations, especially it's their heart that you're after. So, you know, it's so easy sometimes to get all caught up in their behavior, but it's like, okay, let me take a, sometimes you have to, to take a step back when you're really wrestling with something specific with them. And, um, you know, and remember, okay, what's going on in their heart? What is, what is the heart issue here that, that needs to be trained? And if it is simply defiance, then address that, be willing to address that. Or is there something else going on? Um, and then sometimes, sometimes there's, when we had situations where they did that, it was like, well, you know, you're, you're fighting me and receiving the consequence. So now you have another consequence. So you have that idea of you're adding levels to their consequences because they're making, they're not willing to accept discipline in their lives. Yeah. My, so my oldest was like this. So he was, the, he still out of five has been, well, the fifth is like 17 months, so she's still perfect. Um, but he's been my hardest to discipline, and he was completely like wrestling a pig. I mean, just, I read all the books, and it was talked about, you know, you put him on your lap, you explain the offense, you ask for forgiveness, you administer the spanking calmly without anger, the child hugs you, you pray. <laughs> my kid was just, yeah! you know, and I'm here, I'm calm, I'm okay. I mean, it was, I mean, every single time, he was exhausting, and it was one of those where I was like, you know, as he's like screaming, I'm like, this wasn't in the book. Like, is this in the back? Is this in like the index? Um, so with him, it was always, you know, I, I will admit, like I felt like sometimes it was too exhausting for me to even get to. But the times when we did follow through, because what Leslie said is true. Most of the time it's harder on us because A, it's tiring. And B, it's like, I don't like seeing my kid completely screaming, losing it, like hating it. That's not fun for anybody. But I knew I was like, I have to follow through with this. So um, the times we did, 
once everything was calm, you know, and everything was back to normal, he was like Johnny on the spot, obedient. Like he had, kind of, I don't know if you guys have ever experienced that with your kids where it's like, after you do the hard discipline, they have resolved to do right, you know? And that was a really cool thing for me to see and encouraged us. But I've noticed that as he's gotten older, that he, he's the kid that resists any discipline. So it's, it wasn't just spanking. It was like, we put him in timeout. He would pop out, blah, blah, and just, you know, completely argue and negotiate. So that's something that, that's kind of his sin struggle is just owning his own sin. And so that's the thing we hit hard all the time because it's the heart of that. And just kind of going, he's got to understand that because why else do you need a savior? If you're perfect all the time and if you're right and if it's always the other person's fault because he's my Pharisee, um, why do you need Jesus, you know? And so that's what we hit with him all the time is like, it is okay to mess up. This is why we have Jesus, but you've got to be able to admit, yes, I'm a sinner and accept the discipline. It's been, it's gotten easier as he's gotten older because we can explain these things to him, but, uh, but it was tough. But when we, f- when we followed through as hard as it was, it was worth it. That's good. Okay, Trish, Trisha, how do you discipline for lying? <laughs> big. (laughs) (laughs) That's one of your hot buttons. Um, It is one of our hot buttons. Um, Lying was a big consequence in our house. So uh, again, there's not one simple answer to this question because it depends on the age of the child, right? And as the child grows, so does the consequence. And so what I might be doing for an eight-year-old might be different than what I'm doing for a four-year-old. So there's not one simple answer, but to play off of kind of what Ginger and Leslie have already said here, Whatever speaks their language the strongest, that's the card I'm going to play. So sometimes it might be a double spanking. Sometimes it might be you're not going to your best friend's birthday party Mm. or some other thing, you know, depending on the situation. But, I mean, it's pulling something that they really love or just making sure they feel it big. And we would talk a ton about why this is so important because guys are going to be teenagers and they've got to know that you value Mm -hmm. the truth. Even if it's something you don't want to hear, they need to know that Mm -hmm. you value the truth. And so there would be scenarios where, you know what, if you tell me the truth, your consequence is less. If you tell me a lie, your consequence is even bigger. Mm -hmm. Like if they're trying to cover up something. So we always give them the opportunity that truth pays off. Lying doesn't. It's good. Okay. Um, this is for Kara. What happens if I give my child an answer and then they go and ask dad and dad gives a different one? Yeah. All right. So um, this question, I'm going to assume that they did not tell dad that mom said no. All right. And then in that case, they're in big trouble because we treat that as lying. Mm-hmm. You know, that's dishonest. And so that's just a whole nother. I mean, of course, their answer is now no, and there's a huge consequence. So um, hopefully they only do that once. My second scenario is mom says no. Oh, mom says no. Oh, yes, yeah, see, it's louder. Yeah. <laughs> mom good, says then. no, and they go to dad and say, hey, I asked mom this question. She said no. What would you have said? And I think that's fine. I think that's great. Go get dad's opinion. And hopefully <laughs> you're on the same page and dad completely supports you and goes, okay, I can tell you why mom said no. This is what she's thinking, blah, 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 blah. Um, tell me why you're having a problem with this. And because you really do want your child to have voice. You want them to, the goal is that your child is going to completely agree with your decisions. Um, and so you want them to have buy-in. You want them to, to, to ask like, why is this? I don't understand. And this is hard and let dad try to explain it, you know, and dad may come 
back and say, hey, you know what? You have a good point. I'll, I'll talk to mom one more time, you know, and that's fine. Um, and so, um, cause I just think it's really important for them. Um, one example that we had was, um, video games. My 13 year old, I mean, probably the last three years, every once in a while he'll ask to buy a new video game. And, um, and we go through stages of sometimes he'll be like really into video games and playing too often. And so then he'll say, this new one's coming out. Can I buy it with my own money? You know, and we really talk about that. And a lot of times we talk about it with him. We're going, well, let's think about that because really we're trying really hard because we know how addictive they are right now to you. Do, you. do you really think it's a good idea to get a new one that we know is addictive? Like, let's really think about that and pray about that. And so that's why we say no sometimes. And he, he's totally in it. Like, he might be disappointed, but he gets it. And so that's where we want it. We want them to really know why we, why we do this, because it's all the heart. And we want them to kind of agree with us. So that's why I think it's okay for them to go and ask the other parent as long as they said, mom said no, you know. And a lot of times the answer is when they ask, me, I'll say, let me talk to dad first and we'll get back with you. And that's another scene. The key is to train dad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's, start, that's so encouraging. Um, your specific example about video games, that's like where I am. I'm like, but we involve him in that because that's where they are. That's what our culture is. That's, um, but yeah. And then they start calling people addicts and you got to, that's a whole other thing. Okay. No, no, no. Not everybody's an addict. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Morgan, you're next. Okay, uh, let's see. This is for Ginger. Help our mamas know how to handle the manipulator in the family. If they give an answer <laughs> and the child reciprocates with a better idea or a reason why that's not a right answer or an excuse, like, oh, well, what about this? But it's okay because blah, blah, blah. How do you handle that? Well, hmm. That is not fun. I'm just telling you. Oh. I, um, you, um, so... Again, in these situations, and, and all of these really do, but when they get, they start getting complicated, you got to pray. Yeah. We need Jesus and we need wisdom and insight because there's no one size fits all um, solution to these types of situations. Um, and, but you watch again, you're going back. What is going on in my child's heart? What am I seeing happening in my child's heart? And I remember seasons of this happening with my kids and realizing, hey, what I'm seeing here is a lack of thankfulness in my child. And so, you know, the times, and I remember leaving Chuck E. Cheese. We've just spent all this money and had this fun family time, and we're leaving Chuck E. Cheese, and they're whining about what's next. Uh, and I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> and so to me, in those situations was a time to go, hey, not just how do I handle this immediate situation, but... I we need to double down on thankfulness in our family right now because, because this is a result of that character trait not showing itself in my child's life. And, um, and so really paying attention to that. And, um, and then it's, you know, kind of like whining is, I just remember, you're not going to get what you want when that's the attitude of your heart, when you're not being thankful for something you just had. And so, um, trying to see what else I wrote down on that, but, um, yeah, just making sure that they know begging doesn't get them results. You know, it's one of those things you just don't give into. You don't give into whining. You don't give into begging. Um, and there are times when the, when the manipulation requires a bigger consequence. Again, because that's, mm -hmm. you see, you can see in their heart where it's a selfishness and it's a trying to go around the rules 
that, you know, trying to go to dad instead of mom, that's a, that's a lying situation. So, um, you know, just again, thinking through, hey, what's really going on here? And what's, you know, what, what do I need to address as to what's going on in my child's heart? I think that that's really good. We just, Mike Pini and I were just talking about this and um, I have one manipulator and I think what's hard is that when they get to the age where they start discussing like video games or whatever that they want to engage in and you're monitoring, um, what's hard is when they bring it up and they know the answer. Mm -hmm. And so um, he's so good at it. And I just looked at him the other day and I said, right now, now, now you're disobeying me. We, you know the answer. And now this has led to disobedience. Like what was once a conversation is now disobedience. And so it has been, I don't know if I'm praying that he understands and there's consequences there, but it's more good for me to label something. It's like, I had to say the word. This is what you're doing. Okay, now let's run with it. Just like Ginger said, like find out what the- Draw the line, yeah. Yeah, yeah. thing is, okay, this is what we're doing and this is what you're doing. You've got to label it and get those words for them and what they're doing. And here's- um, and I love the example Leslie gave earlier about Caden not being able to go to the basketball game. Because I've heard Todd say this, that so often we as parents, we're not willing to do the hard thing. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not, because it's hard for us. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I so want my child to be able to go to that basketball game and enjoy being with their family. That's a good thing. But the right thing in that situation is to withhold that. And so we have to be willing to hold the line on stuff like that. Yeah, they got free t-shirts that night. So the boys came home with free t-shirts. Today, my sixth graders paired up with my kindergartner at this thing called Art Fest at our school. And so he wanted to take Bubba's shirt and Caden, you can wear it. And Rob goes, no, mm-mm, no. Like that consequence is still going. Like, nope, that's not his shirt. And it's like a dress. It went, I'm like, that doesn't even make sense. I'm like, no, it doesn't fit. And Rob goes, no, he's not wearing it. <laughs> you know, like, you know, we're staying true. That event was taken away. You don't even get to wear the shirt. <laughs> Okay, number 11. What is the best way to resolve sibling conflicts? This is for you, Kara. Um, taking toys from one another, tattling, squaddling. Tell us everything we need to know. Please. All right. I think that sibling conflict is probably going to... Oh, sorry. Thank sibling you. conflict is probably going to be your most important issue. Maybe not, but if, to me it is. Because I think that um, how we get along with those in our house is how we're gonna get along with the world. And so if you can train them to um, be kind to one another in your own home, it goes everywhere. You know, they won't have issues at school being ugly to someone else because if they can be sweet to their sister, they can be sweet to anyone because, you know, you're Mm -hmm. at your worst in your own home. And so um, what I start with is the general concept. You have to just over and over and over again talk about the blessings that siblings are. Like, wow. And it really helps. Like, I'm super close to my sister that lives in town. It really helps to be able to go, oh, my goodness, your sisters are your number one blessing. This is your best friend for life. You know, all this stuff. And then I can show them my sister is my best friend for life. You know, things like that. But, um, but just to show what a blessing it is, I also talk about that our home is a fortress. It's a safe place. You are safe in our house. That means no one will be mean to you. You know, so mm-hmm. if your sister is mean to you, I'm going to deal with that big time, you know, because we're, we're safe here and we're going to be kind. And so, um, so I know that's, um, that's harsh, but, but it works. I'm telling you, my kids, 19, 16, 13, they are kind to each other always, 
always. And every once in a while, there'll be a conflict. And, um, and I mean, we deal with it fast. And they go and they go and they apologize. You know, they understand that they hurt someone. And, um, and it's, there's just so much, so much learning on um, how to deal with frustration, you know, and a lot of times it's, it's me. I'll come home frustrated and I'll snap at someone, maybe because they did something, maybe not, but really it's because I'm frustrated, you know, and so, and so I have to go back and apologize and go, you know what, mama was just having a bad day and I'm sorry I snapped at you. And, um, and I expect that them to do the same. And we give a lot of grace. Um, I know we're talking about little kids here, but I'll just give you the example of going through girls in the hormone stage, you know, when they start, they hit that teenager, and then they start just being irrational, you know, and you're just like, and it's really fun with the first one, just to make faces with the second one and go, (laughs) just go, just let it go, let it go. And and it just kind of teaches to give some grace, you know what I mean? Like, we're just going to give grace, everyone has a bad day, you know, but um, with the littles, when they're really little, it's really best to start with the oldest one. Um, and with toys, when they're grabbing toys and stuff, I really always try to just really encourage that oldest one, give it to them. They don't know any better. Just let them have it. You know what? We'll find something else. And just um, over and over and then just praise them for it and go, wow, thank you for helping with your little sister. That is so wonderful. You are such a good helper, you know? And then like, like reel them into some of the strategies of, um, if they've taken their favorite toy and you know, they want it, um, show them some strategies. Like I would, I'd go get a cookie and go, Hey, Tommy, you want a cookie? You know? And we'd, we'd move them over here and then we'd, we'd take that and like hide it. You know? I mean, just like give them some strategies, make them feel like they're like really old, but just their, their strategies and kindness because we're not going to just grab. And I don't even like the timer. Like you have it for five minutes and you have it for five minutes. That might work on some kids that are really into fairness, but really, um, I mean, that's almost entitlement. You know what I mean? It's like, Jesus is more of, uh, you know, just let them have it. Let's just share. Let's just be kind. And um, over and over again, go over the, um, use the words from the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy. Wow, I bet it gives you such joy to see how much Tommy is loving playing with your toy. Like, that is so sweet of you to let him, um, to let him have that joy. Um, you know, just things like that. Um, we just try to reinforce and reinforce and just expect them to always honor and be kind to each other. And, um, and it, it's, it's worked. That's great. That's great. Oh, um, tattling. I didn't talk yeah, about tattling. tattling. Okay, tattling. Um, we are all, they're only allowed to tattle if it is for the other person's good. So if someone is in danger, for sure, come and tell me. If someone is being mean to a friend, you know, their friend's over and they're doing something, you know, like something that's for their benefit. But if you're ever just trying to get your sibling in trouble, that's not being for them. Like, that's just ugly, you know? And so then they would be in trouble for that. So um, I would deal with that before I dealt with whatever was, was wrong with the first one. That's good. Cause that's a big deal. Yeah, there's the verse that's, um, well, I'm drawing a blank, of course, right now. Um, Do let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building one another up, you know, and teach your Ephesians some, some, of course. Um, But uh, anyway, that one we talk about all the time. Hey, was that helpful to your sister? Was that building her up? Was that encouraging, you know, and nipping it in the bud right away? And I love that our house is a fortress. Our house is a place where Mm -hmm. we'll be kind. Like how many of us wouldn't have loved that growing up where your parents were like, we do not have any unkindness in our home. And it's, you know, again, like I read one time, um, the biggest barrier to effective discipline is not desire, it's exhaustion, you know? And so it's, again, you know, especially with the more kids you have, 
that doubles up. But you know what? This is what God's called you to, and he'll equip you to do it. And so instead of, oh, they're just always bickering, they're always squabbling, you know, we're addressing this every time, okay? And so if you can't use any kind words right now, you need to go up to your room and play by yourself for a little while. I usually say, is this helpful or hurtful? Yeah. Like, and that's kind of just my go-to with them. Are you gonna be helpful or hurtful? Is that helping your brother or hurting your brother? Um, they're like, mm. Great. Okay. Um, okay. My answer. <laughs> all right. We talk about, okay, Ginger, we have, um, we've talked about this a lot, but tips on how to help kids with their, with their own emotion when they're completely melting down. I call it like the abyss where it's like, there's no, I can't get you back. I mean, you're on the floor, either you're furious or you're melting down. Um, and then Voldemort has taken over. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, Sorry. we had a lot of this in our household. I mean, they all went through a season of it. But then when we had Justin and it kept going and kept going and kept going, we used to say Justin overreacted to life. And, um, and so, yeah, so we really had to deal it with it with him. Now, part of it, a big part with him was we were dealing with sensory issues. And so that was a training on our part to figure out what was going on with him. And, and then we had to, once we kind of knew, Hey, and with sensory kids, they, they tend to, when they do cross that line, there's, you, there's no reeling it back. And we had to figure out, and, and it is a means, it's a place you really have to know your child. Mm. What is causing them to go over that line? And then what works to bring them back? For Justin, we, we learned that it was distraction. I mean, I had to, there was no reasoning with him. You, you know, kind of had to put him in a place where he was safe and not going to hurt anything. But you know, the best thing I could do was put him on his bed and sit down and open up Calvin and Hobbes and start reading out loud because it would, that distraction would get him out of that space and get him to where he could be calm again. Um, sometimes it's, it's something totally different. We had a situation, uh, a couple friend came to us recently and said, Hey, all of a sudden our daughter is just, she's just different. She just, angry and she was saying hurtful things like I don't I want to be in a different family and there were anger and there was anger and meltdowns happening that that weren't normal and as we unpacked it with them um they had just come back this all started after they came back from a week-long vacation away from their children and we're like our recommendation is this next week you cancel everything she wants your attention She's afraid because you were gone and she's, she's acting out of that fear. And um, we said, cancel everything to just be together. Dad, take her on a date. Mom, take her on a date this week. You know, be home together. That just that sense of security. And a week later, they were like, our old child's back again. You were exactly right. That was, was what was going on. And so, you know, in the anger and meltdown, so there's just... You know, know your child, figure out what's going on, what helps them in those moments. Is it a manipulative meltdown or is, you know, is it like Justin where it was just, it was not, it was beyond his control at that point. Mm. And, um, you know, and some kids are just, hey, if they don't get their nap on a routine, you're going to get meltdowns. And so you have to be willing to make those choices with your schedule of what is best for this child. Mm Mm-hmm. That's so good. Yeah. 
Okay, that's me. All right, what happens? This is for Kara. We're back on Kara. What happens when you and your uh, just? I'm going to turn the page. Is that the right one? Thirteen. What happens when your husband? Thank you. Okay. What happens? I thought it was the last one we asked. Okay. What happens when you and your husband are on different pages and disciplining? So if his expectations are too high, or if he's like fun, nice dad, you know, and then you seem like good cop, bad cop. It's real deal. Okay. So this one. Um, this one's hard, especially early on in the marriage because um, it just takes time. <laughs> um, I feel like my husband and I are kind of on the same page now, but we weren't always. Um, so I think that you just have to remember that success in life, God first, marriage second, then your family. So you've got to just have that quiet time with God and pray, you know, and just ask God to um, help you do it right and help your marriage. Um, then work on your marriage. You know, try to communicate um, and pray for your marriage, um, and then work on your kids. But um, but until until it's all worked out, I think you just gotta fake it till you make it, and you have to um, have a united front. You know, never never talk negatively about your husband like in front of the kids. Don't say, "Well, Dad would say this, but I say that." You know, don't do that. Um, just you know. Act like you have a united front, and then try to communicate well with your husband, not in the moment, you know, mm-hmm. later. So um, you might say, and do it in a positive way, you might say, hey, I love how you're always so fun with the kids. The kids love that. But sometimes it makes me feel like we're good cop, bad cop. And do you think maybe you could help um, kind of reinforce some of the things that we're doing during the day if I tell you what those are? You know, maybe I could text you before you come home and you could kind of help me. You know, give him, give him some positive and then give him some what to do because I think most of the problems are they're away all day and they don't, they don't understand what's gone on, gone on during the day. They're just seeing the very tail end of your day. And so either they're reacting to, like, discipline. They're like, they need to do this, you know, but they don't understand what's happened the rest of the day where you're like, well, you know, things like that. So, so you've got to be able to communicate what... Um, one of the best things my husband and I have ever done is we try to have a little bit of a date on Sundays. Either now we usually, well, not now, but <laughs> two months ago, <laughs> we were able to like go to Brahms, you know, and get ice cream and just talk. Um, you know, now we'll probably have to do it at home. Um, but anyway, just to try to connect and try to connect with how your week is going. Like, you know, like if I can see like, how's your work week looking this week? And if he's really stressed and if he can see what my week looks like, and then we can talk about the kids because if you can really sit down one-on-one and um, it's like so amazing for him to go, tell me what's going on with Grace, with Emma, with Tommy. And for me just to be able to go through, I mean, his faith just like lights up. He has no idea. I'll go, well, so-and-so is really struggling with the friend group right now. And she's doing this and he's doing that, you know, all this stuff. And to really be able to tell him what it looks like during the day, you know, and then to be able to, then what happens is we sit there and we problem solve together. You know, he goes, oh, huh, well, have, what have you, what do you do about that? And how do you do this? And, and then we problem solve. And then it really opens up in a very, um, just natural way to work together. Whereas, um, if we're, if we're just on different pages, it's just, it's just so hard to come together because he doesn't understand where I'm coming from. And then if you try to deal with it in the moment, you know, if, if he like starts to discipline really bad and you're like going, no, 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 then it, it just escalates. And so you really have to try to prevent 
more of. And you also have to realize that you, you've probably married your opposite, and you're going to have um, to realize that he's got strengths that you don't have, and you've got strengths that he doesn't have, and, and use those. So... Yeah, that's great. I feel like lo- using low tide moments, like with those days, and go, hey, I, you seem to not take this as seriously, you know, when I, when I saw this happen. Let's talk about that. And he can kind of explain, or I feel like, you know, or he might say, you seem to be too harsh with this. And it's like, okay, well, I'd been dealing with it all day. This was the, you know, and so I feel like using those low tide moments as opposed to right in the, you know, in the, then we're all defensive when we're talking about them. But if you just go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about this in about two days when I'm not emotional about it. I feel like that's the, Definitely the most, those are the most productive conversations. Um, Ginger, we're gonna talk about what does discipline look like with a um, special needs child, like high anxiety, autism, sensory processing, ADHD, things that just provide, that they're additional challenges, but yet you wanna be faithful to still have them experience consequences. Yeah, this is hard, um, and it was hard for us. Uh, Justin was our third, and so by the time we got to him, we thought we were perfect parents. We had it all figured out. Um, you know, because at that point, the older, the older two were, you know, things were going pretty well. We had the discipline methods down. And um, when that didn't work with him, David and I were like, we didn't know what to do. <laughs> um, and it, it was hard. And there was a hard season where we were trying to get, you know, particularly with Justin, we were trying to get spanking to work for him. And it just didn't because it you know, being a sensory kid, it just threw him even more into a fit. And it, we had to go through a training process of understanding what was defiance for him and what wasn't. What was just when, when he wouldn't eat macaroni and cheese, it was not because he was being defiant. It was because this really was hard for him. And so we had to learn, again, it's back to that thing of you need to know your child. And so you are your child's biggest advocate. And if you have a child with some sort of special needs, you know, you may be going to different therapists and different doctors and all those things, but you are the one who God has put as their mother and as their biggest advocate. So know your child, learn your child, pray like crazy that God would give you insight into what is going on with your child. And, um, and, you know, and start, we have to start there. Then, it's figure out, like Trisha said, what are those hills that are, that are important to you that you're willing to die on? What, what are those standards that you're not going to compromise? You know, we had to, with Justin, food, of course, with a sensory kid was, was very different. And so we had to, I had to figure out what was I willing to do with him? Like, um, I, I wasn't willing to make five different things for dinner. Um, but I had to understand that if, you know, if we made macaroni and cheese that he just was not going to eat it. And, um, and so I got to a point where I was like, you can eat what we're having for dinner or you can have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And, and I was, and I had to learn to be okay with that. Um, and, and then that was his option. I wasn't going to give him three or four or five options. I would give him two options, one of which I knew was acceptable within his sensory situation. And, um, and so that I was able to maintain a standard that was important, you know, there. Um, and then there's other things where it's like, I know this is, I have to understand that this is harder for him to get to because of his challenges. 
Um, and it may be learning how to look somebody in the eye and speak to them, but it's still something he needs to learn, even though it's harder. And so I have to be patient and not expect him to get there as soon as maybe his brother or sister did, but I'm still going to be willing to work hard at that because it's a skill that he can learn. It just may take him longer to get there. And so those are some of the things that um, that we had to work with. I'm trying to see anything else I had. Um, oh, <laughs> uh, and so and there were times where with dis- discipline, we went through a season where Justin started biting his sister when he'd get frustrated with her. And the spankings clearly were not making any difference. And the kind of the light bulb went off on my head and I went, oh, this is a sensory kid. So I went old-fashioned on him, and we used the soap in the mouth. And um, that happened twice, and it never, ever happened again. Because, because for him, that was awful because of the, the sensory piece. And so, again, know your child, um, pray like crazy, and, you know, and, and the Lord will guide you in those situations. I think I'd add to that, like... Um whenever you have a child who does see like other people to help with their disability, so whether it be a speech therapist, occupational therapist, a play therapist, any of those kind of people, um, ask them as many questions as you can. And if you're not really understanding why they're doing something for them and not you, watch. Get someone to watch your kids and be like, I need to watch either behind a pained glass or figure it out because you can learn so much from watching someone else interact with your kid. Like what am because that person can't answer like what you're doing versus what they're doing, right? Like you kind of need to see all, you need to see all the sensory aspects, the tone, the facial expressions, the patience, all that to really know like what, what gets in there. And I think that really helps. It's using the village to help really parent your child in that. All right, last question um, for Kara. How do you handle your child confessing disobedience to you? For example, in anger, your child throws toys in the other room, um, in the other room, full vent to his anger, and then comes to wherever you are in the house and confesses what he did, or confessing to get out of bed when he's not supposed to. So it's manip- manipulative confessing. <laughs> How do you discipline? Okay, okay, I, I kind of like this. So um, because I feel like if they're confessing, if they're coming to you, they're really asking for help. They're, I mean, they might be trying to get out of trouble, but it's an opportunity. <laughs> that you can help them. So, um, so what I would start with is I would say, thank you for telling me. I'm so glad you came to me. Um, let's figure out a way to, um, that you can do better. So if it's getting out of bed at night, you know, you might brainstorm some things like why, what is it that's making you need to get out of bed? Like what would help you? How can I help you stay in your bed? And then you can follow up on that. You know, the next night, um, did you try those things? Things like that. Um, what was the other example? Not getting out of bed. Um, throwing toys when in the other room. When he throws toys in the other yeah, room. Yeah, so they throw toys in the other room. You know, you've, and you then can, uh, confesses. Yeah, like. you can go, you know, were you angry? You know, I understand. I've, I've been angry before. Um, you know, sometimes when I'm angry um, and feel like throwing things, instead I will and just give a brainstorm with them, you know, and go, next time, why don't you try this? And then, um, and then you can ask. Um, you just have to be careful that it's not completely turning into manipulation. If they completely just keep, you know, doing something wrong and confessing, then you're going to have to, you know, call it disobedience. <laughs> Enough. So, um, so know your child, know what they're up to, if they're, if they're really asking for help or if they're manipulating. 
That's good. Yeah. That's good. That's awesome. Yeah, it's funny. She had answered that question this week, and like literally right before I read it, my oldest. Um, I had gone for a little while and he, he knows they cannot be on any electronics without permission. And so he had gotten on the iPad to look up a football card. And he told me when he, he's like, mom, I, I was on the iPad. I was looking up the card. And I just said, thank you for telling me. Kara, how do you handle this question? You know, it's perfect timing. So it was really good. I felt like I probably would have come a little harder and heavy, like, you know, but with that, we sat down later with dad and I just said, hey, how, how can we help you exactly? And we just decided iPad's gonna stay with dad upstairs. So if they, you know, they, it's just, we'll, we'll help you not sin in that. So anyway, that was great. Good. So that's it. That was 15. Do some Q&A. You guys have some questions? I have some questions. Um, let me get Stacy. Could you uh, take a mic around? Here you go. Parker. <laughs> um, and just, if y'all have a question, just raise your hand up and Stacy will come and give you the mic because we are recording this and we yes. want to hear all y'all's questions. Hello. I have one for the apology. So we do the, the same three steps, but then the one who is asking for forgiveness doesn't want to forgive because they're still hurt or they're uh -huh. too young to really understand that. So how do you deal with that one? Um, we've had this happen. Literally when Kelsey turned six is, I don't care and I'm not sorry. <laughs> I mean, and we saw that kind of thing. Um, so you can't control their heart, but you can control their habits. And eventually, habits will lead to the heart. So there was a season there where we made her apologize anyway. She had, even if she didn't feel it, she still had to say, I'm sorry, will you forgive me, the whole shebang. And eventually, we saw that the heart did follow. Um, I didn't like it. It was one of my roughest seasons as a parent. But there was, again, kind of like Ginger alluded, there were other things going on during that season. But we didn't change our standard because that is our standard, and that was a skill set we wanted them to learn. So for the child who, yeah, is supposed to be extending forgiveness to their sibling, the child who's been... They still have to say it. So, I mean, they well, may not the, the feel it. The hurt child. So the hurt one. child needs they, to forgive whether or not they feel it exactly. is what you're suggesting. Because she we, was and you will learn as an adult that forgiveness is not so much about the feelings as it is about the conscious choice to go there. And so it's just a prelude to that. I think that brings up a great point on just a lot of times it's like, well, I'm not gonna require my kid to obey because I don't want robots. I don't want that. I want them to want to obey for the right reason. But you know, a lot of times we kind of use that as a, I'm not gonna make them do something. But what you said is exactly right. You, the, the habit, you train the habit and the heart will follow. With a lot of prayer. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we have this problem with throwing wood chips at the park. And so we've been working on getting better. Um, and then we were there this past week and there was an older kid who wanted to throw wood chips at my kid, um, who's three. And so this kid was like 10. Um, and so the best I could think to do was just remove my kid from the situation because that's been our struggle. But is there something that y'all would do differently? Like if your kid, you see them like going through this, I guess, like sin struggle. Like it's an area where it's like, I don't want to have to discipline you for it but we just had to leave the park because I couldn't control the 10-year-old kid. Do y'all have like a, is there something you would do differently or, I don't know. I think what Morgan just said when she answered that was like, well, did you say that? Or just like leaving. Like, I think, I 
think that's, that's what I would do. I mean, um, unless the situation would present itself or the little boys there. I mean, I've talked to other kids before. I'm like, hey guys, this is not the way we treat each other. Absolutely. And honestly, I do. I kind of intervene at parks. I don't, yeah. I'm done. And um, it's easy. I'm just like, hey, I don't know you, but you know what, my little buddy, we're trying to teach him not to do this. And I go, that's just not helping him right now. And seriously, they'll be like, okay. Yeah. Or they will run away. They're like, crazy mom over there. Hey, and great. If they go get the mom, the mom's taught to you, opportunity. And I mean, I think at the end of the day, we have to be up for that. Like, great. Hey, I just want you to know, hey, and all, whenever I talk to people I have no clue about and their kid was being crazy to my kid, I'm humble pie, humble pie, humble pie. Because I never want to make a mom feel like, hey, your kid was crazy, da, da, da. But just like, I'm so sorry. We're going through this big deal right now. And I get that he's 10. It's just, and I had this conversation. Um, that's, that's what I've been, that's what I've done. Cause sometimes I'm like, we don't have time to go to another park, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this is the slide we like. Yeah. <laughs> I just gave you this privilege, like this slide. Now this kid's throwing chips at you. I mean, it's like, you know, the vortex. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody else have anything? Go ahead. So if we can rewind back to the forgiveness aspect, I find a lot of times that my kids, will expect perfection in the other one when they are asking for forgiveness. And if it's not done exactly how they want it to be done, then there becomes another fight. Like, (laughs) you didn't tell me why you're sorry. And you didn't ask me why you're asking for forgiveness. And you didn't tell me what you're going to do next time. (laughs) Awesome. So um, how do you all handle that situation? I'm just going to jump on that one just because we started this mess. Um, I will tell you, it sounds like the standard needs to come from you, not from them. So if it's your standard for how they're supposed to apologize, you need to enforce the standard, not them. And so it's not their prerogative to do your job. And so, again, it's their standard. I hate to say it doesn't really matter. It matters some, but it's your standard you need to focus on. So if the one doing the apology meets your standard, great. That's really what you need to focus on. They're not the boss. God love them. And it's probably your oldest child who thinks they're the third parent in the house. Yeah. Actually, that's funny And that's just that. perseverance. That's like question. that might, that character trait might spread into other ways. Like, like Morgan was saying, kind of a little Pharisee. Like, and you're talking, you got to talk a lot about grace and you need to find those stories about where people ask for forgiveness in the Bible and just did not receive it but still they were called to obedience. And you need to just draw that circle, buddy, and stay in it. We can't control them. So um, mine's a little unique because I do have twins, but I feel like it would kind of work with siblings as well. But I have one who kind of is the leader, and she always like comes to me and tells me that the other one, she's little, little, and they, she tells me that the other one's wrong. Well, then the other one um, like acts out even more because... Now it's like mom and the sister teaming up against the little one. And so like if if the older one like apologizes, then the younger one will like snap back at her and be like, you know, like push her or hit her or something like that. So it's like they're two in a couple months. <laughs> like I can't count, whatever. Two in a couple months old. <laughs> I have twins. I don't do numbers. Oh, they're twins. <laughs> I mean, my only two cents is we come back to First Thessalonians 5.15. We don't return evil for evil. That's where we, 
that's just one of our little training nuggets that we would pull out. They, regardless of how they acted to you, you can control how you react to them. So mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. my only two cents. Do you all have anything? And the tattling stuff, like you said. And Ginger said, and the tattling stuff, yeah. the same thing they talked about earlier. Yeah, just yeah. make sure the older one isn't, yeah. you know, their heart isn't to get their younger one in trouble. Right, right. You got to watch that. Right. Yeah, yeah. And um, I don't know if um, CDs are still in. <laughs> But um, Steve Green, do y'all know Steve Green, Hide Him in My Heart? That's yeah. the best. And there's two volumes, Hide Him in My Heart. And um, we just sing over and over that encourage one another, build each other up, 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 not don't tear each other down, down, down. You know, and so um, anyway, so we're, I also remind them of those things. You know, let's, let's build each other up, up, up. Don't tear each other down, down, down. You know, and just like keep going back to those real simple concepts of, um, of, you know, just yeah. reminding them what's are you, going on. Yeah, are you being helpful to your sister right now, or are you trying to hurt her? Yeah. Uh, okay, well, let's talk about why, you know, and take that that direction. Okay, I know there's okay. some more over we here. We have two over here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I yeah, they've been waiting. waiting. When you are disciplining and you have your I mean it <clears throat> line, how do you do it your first time? Because I think when you're in a pattern of yelling, it's always the fourth time. How do you kind of backtrack into saying, okay, we're... <laughs> Stacey Parker can answer that one. So, yes. Ah. Sorry. Hello. I have a, I have a, well, there's a line that my husband and I started using with one another, um, and we called it get off your butt parenting, which is basically like, you have to, you don't give an instruction from across the room, right? Like you go to the kid and you're ready there so they know that you're prepared to deal with it if you're, if they are not... Follow it. You know, you're ready to move them in the direction they need to go or whatever. Because it's so easy to ignore something from over there. Hmm. So it's tiring, but it, it's effective. So it, it requires movement. And it's hard, like when you got like a nursing baby or, you know, whatever. But to try not to say something until I'm ready to deal with it. So that's my thought. But it's great. Yeah, pass the microphone so y'all are getting recorded. So I want to hear y'all um, The only other two cents I would add is that what it would look like in our house is you would ask them once. If they didn't do it that first time, I would probably ask a second time just out of grace of maybe they didn't hear me, but if I knew they heard me, it was a different story. Um, if, when I asked the second time, if there was not immediate action with a joyful, happy heart, you know, then a consequence right there. And so to be, do that better, have your list of consequences ready per child. Like, oh, for my three-year-old, here's our list of effective consequences. For my five and a half year old, here's my list of effective consequences. And literally you and your husband brainstorm them one night, have those at your fingertips. Cause I mean, the second time you ask, boom, within 10 seconds, boom, here's your consequence. And try to make it something that they can feel right then. Try not to make it something that they, especially if they're younger, yes. where it's a delayed consequence where they mm -hmm. won't feel it for a day and a half. You want them to feel it right then if you can. The sooner the better. And a little bit snotty, but I think it's effective. I remind them sometimes when they're losing a consequence, like, you know, we would be having an ice cream date right now, but because of your choice, we are not having an ice cream date right now, you know, that kind of thing. So it's okay to remind them of the choice they made and the consequence that came with it. And um, kind of along with what Stacy said, we found what was most effective in helping us was making them respond. Like if I called a child's name, but Micah, we, we taught them, they responded, yes, mommy, because then I know he hears me. Mm -hmm. um, and otherwise, it's, 
Micah, go clean your room, and nothing happens, then in my mind, I'm like, well, maybe he didn't hear me. So I can't require it if he didn't hear me. But if I've, if I'm having, if I've trained them to, yes, mommy, respond, then I give, it's that intentional, then I give the instruction, then, then my line has just been dropped. Then they've been held accountable. Yeah. Great. Um, okay, so this kind of goes back to the wood chip story with the 10-year-old and the 3-year-old. Um, so we have some neighbors that we love, like me and the mom line up on personalities, my husband and the dad, they're great buds. Um, and my three-year-old and their three-year-old are the same age, they're three. Um, but they are way more chill, relaxed with their three-year-old's discipline and their expectations for what is good behavior and bad behavior. And with Rand, we want to hold him to a little bit higher standard than what they hold little Johnny. And it's starting to play out in our house that after little Johnny leaves, Rand will mimic a lot of that stuff that has been going on. And I don't know how to tell Rand, hey, we love Johnny and he is a great friend. And we're going to, I mean, they're our neighbors. They're not going anywhere anytime fast, you know? So how do I encourage Rand to not act like his best little bud that we're going to keep on having at our house all the time? And how do I not bring a conflict in with Johnny's mom? Whenever, like, I can't control how she raises her kid. So, so um, I can start off this one. So, I would, once you see, so I don't, I would address the um, attitude, whatever it is, when little buddy's over. And so, hey, Rian, did y'all just say that? Hey, we don't, we don't do that in this house. I totally get it, but every house has different rules, and in this house, we don't do this. All right, why do y'all want to go play out there and then end it with a fun thing? Because they're still going to be over, but you're just instructing him, which he already knows your rule, but also a little dude that's coming over and playing. And then like, but hey, here's a fun thing y'all can do. Okay, let's just try to do that. And so intentional kind of training. And then what I typically do is I, well, I always do because I'm like, um, I, I'm just trying to... Um, come about before we have the confrontation. I go to the mom, hey, this happened today. I just want you to know, this is what I said to the boys because this is kind of what we want. So that's what I asked them to do in our house. So it's not, you're just giving a report of what they did. Hey, and this is how I instructed. If she's upset, then um, y'all can work that out. But I think we've got to be okay with having those conversations. And you've got to be okay with living next to someone and working through that. I have a boy that comes over and manipulates to get snacks every day, stands in front of my pantry. I'm like, hey, buddy. And mom and I have worked out. His parents are chefs. I mean, <laughs> go to the berries for Cheetos. You know, it's like so horrible. I'm like, hey, I don't, I, you know, but we have talked about that. I don't think that your mom wants you to do that. It's five and, and you know, no snacks at five, after five. And, you know, you're just going to, you guys are going to have to have a plan because you live close to each other and your kids are going to grow up together. So that's normal. I think as you make those things normal conversations, they aren't so tense. So We say different rules for different families at my house all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. sorry, this is how we do it, you know. Like if it's like, but so-and-so gets to blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. Okay, um, I am struggling with how to find the balance between dealing with the offender and comforting the offended. So especially if the offender takes a lot of like attention with the discipline, I feel like I'm handling that because I want to remove them quickly, but then the person that was just pummeled over there um, is like crying and hysterical. So how do you find that balance between doing the discipline right away but comforting the hurt? All right, I usually go to the 
one that was offended first okay. and um, deal with them first and say, you know, hey, <laughs> so sorry this happened, you know, and talk about their reaction because sometimes their reaction was good, sometimes it wasn't, mm -hmm. things like that, but just sympathize with them and deal with them first and then go off to the offender and have a conversation. And, um, and that way, even with the offender, I can say, um, this is what you did. Now she is feeling this way, this way, this way, you know, all this stuff. And, um, and have that conversation completely separately in separate rooms. And then I can be sympathetic on both sides, but also very blunt. And a lot of times we just really have to talk about their um, different personalities. You know, I have one that's not super sensitive and I have one that's super sensitive. And so there's this conflict in those two personalities where the offender didn't always mean to offend, but they did, and you know, and I saw it. So anyway, so um, I just completely deal with it separately. But I usually do the the one that was hurt first because I push compassion. So um, <laughs> mine don't ever come together. One of the boys is always like, you know, like in the corner, and I'm like, come here, come here. I was like, what's the first thing we do? We show compassion. He got hurt. We'll talk about what happened in just a second. But the first thing you do is you get an ice pack. Everybody loves an ice pack, a Band-Aid, whatever. Compassion, compassion, compassion. We'll talk about what happened, but let's get the screaming crazy right now. You're a first aider. You help. And so um, we've had to learn that hardcore. Um, and so, I, you know, it's funny. A friend came up to me, and she was like, my son got hit on the soccer field, and your kid was the first one that came up and showed compassion. I'm like, <laughs> so that's when you're like, because I'm like, is this ever working? And I'm like, oh, really? We've been... Talking about that at home. Boys are going to hurt each other. Awesome. They are going to hurt each other and there may be blood. And we all need to come around that blood <laughs> and show compassion. And then once the little dude's taken care of, we need to take care, you know, let's take about what happened and what, what went on there. All right, probably last question. Okay, I have um, a four-year-old little boy who is extremely strong-willed. Yes, he is. And we have discipline and we've used... Full tool, tool belt, but obedience is s still a struggle. This first time obedience, he does not care. Uh, do you have any tips or encouragements for just that kid that, I don't care if I get a spanking, I don't care if you take away my toys, I don't care if you make me go to timeout. Just really just- What does he love? Um, Food. No, he does look. You will eat bread. <laughs> yeah. Um, can, I'm joking, and it's being recorded. That's not true. Um, you, you take away what he loves, what he loves. And you've got to, you, I mean, and if that's going in his room and sitting there, maybe you take toys out. You take every, that's going to be hard. You, I get it. Like, you have to take it away. And then, like, oh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I'm going to take it. Mom is going to find this out. This is when you self-talk, like, I'm gonna win this because I love you so much. What is he playing with? What is he playing with when he's happy? That goes. I mean, that's what I would do. I don't know. Anything else? Is there, I mean, have you done all that? On like, the encouragement there... front, Valerie. <laughs> um, those kids do big things when they grow up. I so... understand that he is going to be a great movement in our country. Yes. But <laughs> yes. When he's 18 and out of his yes. house, but he'll be a wonderful child. As long, as long as he learns to control that, right. as long as he learns that, that, he can, that he can submit to authority, and so, so the burden on you is heavy for that, um, but 
but God is on your side. Pray like crazy. But and, and pray specifically, God, show me what he loves. Because God answers mm-hmm. prayers like that. Mm-hmm. And um, show me what's effective. And, and stay in the course, friend. Yeah. And that's so hard to hear. It's so hard to hear, like, he's going to be great at 18, but... I would also, only if, I would only also say start, start praying really specifically and write down your prayers really, really specifically, and then go back every week and see what God's answered mm. and what God's shown you, because it really is effective to just write it down so, so specifically. Show me how to handle this situation. Show me, you know, like that, and, um, and just watch, and ask your community too, you know, what do you think I should do here? Because a lot of times they can see things that we are blinded to as the mom. Right. And we just actually, to close to this go. up, like grace, grace, grace. I think everything we've said today, grace, grace, grace. I don't have it all together. I just did six months of tallies on a kid that I was like, he's still not listening. So to your point, Valerie, like, I, I'm still trying to figure it out. And these seem very easy to come out, but grace upon grace. Yeah. <laughs> okay, if y'all could just straight to pick up your kids, uh, that'd be great. Thank you. Right.